You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. Welcome, friends, as you are... uh Taking your seats, please open your, up your Bibles with me to the book of Philemon. We are finishing our two-part series in Philemon uh, this week, um, and today we're going to be considering specifically Philemon verse 12 to verse 25. So in, antici- in anticipation for July coming around, a couple of my friends have asked me, hey, Jason, got any plans for, uh, for vacation this summer? And as a matter of fact, my wife and I do. Um, I've grown up my entire life in uh, the 905 suburbs. And whenever I I went to do something for fun, I booted up north to Muskoka. Or maybe if I went into the city, it was to the Rogers Center to see a Jays game. And I haven't seen a lot of southern Ontario. So this summer, I'm planning on taking some day trips to those cities around southern Ontario that I haven't seen. And though I don't know... Uh, I haven't been to a lot of these cities. I know if I get on the 401 and drive west, I'm going to hit some of these cities. If I get on the 401 and drive east, I'm going to hit some of these cities. Um, And it's not going to be hard to find them. Just drive on the one road until you you see the exit signs and then you can get off. So we're studying the book of Philemon because we need to understand um, about the dynamic of relationships in the church. Uh, Because in the church, hurt happens. Uh, People like me are in the church. Uh, Hurt happens, but reconciliation is right. Last week, we considered the reasons for reconciliation, and they were simple. Uh, Reconcile because it's always right. Reconcile for the sake of love. uh, And reconcile because every Christian is useful. Today, we're considering the road to reconciliation. And the road to get to the destination of reconciliation is less like jumping on the 401 and driving till you hit London than taking the exit. It's not just one straight route. Uh, It's more like driving from somewhere up in the 905 suburbs to get to the Rogers Center in the city. There are a bunch of different uh, roads that you could take, but there are a few crucial turns that if you miss these, you're not making it to the destination. In the same way, there are crucial turns we must take when relationships are hurt and broken. If you've been hurt and broken and you want to make things right, you're going to learn today the turns you must take to reach reconciliation. And be sure, um, hurt will happen in the church. If you're not hurting now, you may be burned in the future. We need to know what to do when hurt happens. So today we're going to be considering Philemon verse 12 to verse 25. As we always do, please stand with me as we honor God and read this scripture together. This is God's word. It speaks to us today, and this is what it says. Verse 12. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while that you might have him back forever. No longer a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, 
as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of your owing me even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Please be seated. We need to follow the road to reconciliation. And so what road must we take to get there? What turns, what must we take to reach our destination? Well, uh, as we have a reminder for you that you may not have been here last week or may have forgotten, uh, this letter is written by the apostle uh, Paul, written to a man named Philemon. Uh, Philemon had a slave that lived in his house um, named Onesimus. Now Onesimus had deserted his master and in the process stolen something from uh, his master's house. Now, uh, he left and he came into the path of the Apostle Paul. And the, the Apostle Paul led him to believe in the claims of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Onesimus was saved. And Paul and Onesimus rec- rec- recognized that he needed to make this thing right that he made wrong. He needed to go back to his master Philemon and he needed to reconcile their relationship. Reconciliation is mending a relationship that was broken. Now, one of the reasons we learn in this passage that Paul wanted them to reconcile was because Paul actually wanted Onesimus to stay with him. He wanted Onesimus to stay with him because he wanted him to serve with him in spreading the good news of the gospel. But... Paul was reluctant to have him stay and serve until he first went and reconciled with his master and until he received permission from his master to go back and serve with Paul. Now, there's something implicit in this passage uh, that we must not miss. The first turn that we must take on the road to reconciliation is in verse 12 to 14. We've already read it, but let's look at verse 12 again. Get your eyes in the book with me. Verse 12 says this, I, that's Paul, am sending him, that's Onesimus, back to you, Philemon. I am sending him back to you, sending my own heart. If Paul was sending Philemon back, sending Philemon, sharing and even being Paul's own heart, then Onesimus must share the same knowledge that Paul shares that's required for reconciliation. Following the road to reconciliation requires confession of sin. And Onesimus was ready to take full ownership of the wrong that he committed. If we miss this destination, if we miss this turn, we will miss our destination. Confession of sin means offering a genuine apology. Now, Paul was able to point it out in in Onesimus' life. 
He's able to point it out and say, you gotta make this right. And in the same way, we may need others to point out sin in our life that we have missed so that we can make things right if we've hurt others. So before I got my driver's license when I was much younger, I had some experience driving, not in a car because I didn't have my license. That would be illegal. Uh, I had some experience driving uh, through boating. But I quickly recognized that driving in a boat is much different from driving in a car. There's no lanes on a lake. I can go anywhere I want. I just have to turn right if someone else is coming at my face and they're going to turn right too and we won't hit each other's nose. But in a car, there's lanes and... uh, there's windows around me and things that can block my vision. So my driver's ed instructor reminded me uh, when I was taking driver's ed that I should be checking my blind spots, my mirrors in my environment, probably once every three seconds or so. And when I make a turn, I definitely should be checking my blind spots. Uh, And if we don't, maybe as you have had happen to you or you have done yourself, Neglecting to check your blind spot will mean you'll meet a new friend who you get to exchange insurance information with. In the same way, in our walk with Christ, if we are not aware of the blind spots that we have, we're going to have hit and runs all over the church. Paul pointed out to Onesimus the thing that he did wrong to Philemon. If we are going to offer a genuine apology, having hurt someone, we need to let other people speak into our lives because the truth is, I have blind spots. And the truth is, friends, you have blind spots too. Who have you given permission in your life to point out the things that you don't see? It wasn't enough for Onesimus just to know Uh, that he had done something wrong, when he recognized it, he needed to go back and make it right. So maybe you know that there's a relationship in your life that you need to be reconciling with. Maybe someone has pointed out the blind spot in your life. Maybe you're ready to go back and to confess your sin. Maybe you're ready to finally take full ownership and offer a genuine apology. But maybe you're not, and you're still sitting in your blind spot. Well, know this, friends. Um, You'll never take full ownership of the wrong you've done. I will never take full ownership of the wrong I've done until I recognize that my sin isn't first against another human being, but against a holy God. In Psalm 51, King David said, Against you and you alone have I sinned, O God. Now, that's an interesting claim because uh, King David said that in response to someone pointing out a blind spot in his life after he had a man murdered and then slept with his wife, uh, his wife. But when he recognized that his sin wasn't first against a human being, but transgressed the law of a holy God, there wasn't any ifs or buts in his apology. He took full ownership. See, if we don't take full ownership, we're going to offer half-baked apologies. Watch out for these half-baked apologies. Fake apologies like, um, I'm sorry if I hurt you. 
all right, if someone is approaching you because they've been hurt, the plausibility of the hurt happening isn't what's up for discussion. That's a half-baked apologies. Or this one also, um, uh, I'm sorry you got hurt, but that wasn't my intention. We know it's a blind spot. Your intention isn't what's being discussed. And if you're worried about your intention and trying to justify your intentions, then you're not recognizing the issue. Here's a genuine apology. I'm sorry. I'm at fault and I have no excuses. Please forgive me. No ifs, no buts, full ownership genuine apology. Maybe you recognize there's something you need to make right. Don't wait another day. Make it right today. Recognize it's first not against a brother or sister in Christ. Our sin is first against the holy God. And when you see that, no ifs or buts anymore. You're going to make it right. This is the first turn that we must turn on if we're going to reach, if you miss this, you're going to miss reconciliation. The next turn on the road following to reconciliation is found in verse 15 and 16. So get your eyes back in the book. Let's read this again. Verse 15 and 16 says this. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you may have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but much more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Now, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, and you may be too, but your English Standard Version might say, no longer a slave, even though mine says no longer a bondservant. Um, same word in the original language, doulos, which, which means uh, slave or bondservant. It can be expressed uh, both ways. But the idea here is that Paul is inviting Philemon to see a divine purpose behind the hurt. He says, for this is perhaps why he was parted from you. Following the road to reconciliation means that we will recognize God's sovereignty. We must make this turn. As Paul invited Philemon to see God's good hand at work in his hurt, so you are invited to see the same as well. Do you have the faith to believe that even in your pain, God's good hand is at work in a way you may not see? I hope that God's word will convince you that it is. Paul told Philemon that God's good hand was at work specifically through the results that God orchestrated even though hurt happened. Onesimus hurt Philemon. He left, but he left. And having left, he came to be led to believe in Jesus, the faith that Philemon had. So then coming back to Philemon, he didn't just come back as a slave to get back to work. He came back as an equal in Christ. Do you have the faith to believe that God is at work even in the way that you have been hurt? And I need to warn you, friends. I need to warn you if you are wandering in doubt. 
Maybe you're wandering in doubt and unable to believe and trust God's good hands at work because just, you, don't, you don't know what to believe. You're just so confused and no one's showed you from God's word that he is good. Maybe you lack faith and you're wandering in doubt because you're really discouraged. And it's just hard. Maybe you're wandering in doubt and lacking faith because you're not confused or uh, discouraged, you're resentful and angry. And you refuse to trust what you know is true from the scriptures. Following the road to reconciliation means recognizing God's sovereignty. We need to be warned about doubt in our time of hurt because, friends, if we wander around in doubt you likely will stumble over roots of bitterness. Are you harboring bitterness in your heart to a brother or sister in Christ who has hurt you? Be warned. Hebrews 12, verse 14 to 15 says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness with which out no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes and trouble, and by it, many come defiled. Do you see what happens when we harbor bitterness in your heart? You might just think, think that's a, th- a thing that's in your heart, but eventually it will spring up out of the ground. It, eventually, it won't just stay in your heart. It can spoil your family. It can spoil your small group. It can cause division in the church. We must not linger in bitterness. So when I went away to university in the States, I was at a liberal arts college, and a friend of mine was taking aviation. And uh, he needed hours to uh, fly to get his license, so he asked me one time if I wanted to go up with him as he flew one of those single uh, engine propeller planes. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun until that, this time where I got really scared. And I got really scared for a minute because he decided out of nowhere that he was going to put these glasses on. Oh, not glasses that you can see through. No, glasses that were completely black and inhibited all of his sight lines to any of the, the, uh, out the windows so that he could not see a thing outside. So I told him, why are you doing this? And he was like, well... Uh, because in my licensing to become a pilot, I need to take something called an instruments test. And he said, I can actually see out of these glasses, well, not through the part that's black, but there's a little slit at the bottom, and all I can see are the instruments that are in front of me. You see, if a pilot relies on sightline alone to fly, what do they do when the clouds come, Right? They need to be, rely on, be able to rely on something other than their sight lines or else themselves and the passengers are going to be in a lot of trouble. Friends, faith is the capability to see the world the way that God sees it. You can look at your hurt with confusion, discouragement, or anger that will only produce bitterness, or you can look at your hurt with eyes of faith and trust that God is at work even in your hurt. 
If you don't have faith, you're going to be like Esau. You remember Esau? Esau was supposed to get the blessing because he was the oldest brother. Jacob uh, tripped up his brother and stole his father's blessing. Excuse me, stole his brother's blessing from his brother. He stole the inheritance that Esau deserved. Esau was bitter and wanted his brother dead. We don't want to be like Esau. We don't want to be like Naomi either. Maybe you remember Naomi from the scriptures. Naomi had to leave her hometown in Israel because of a drought, and she went into Moab as a refugee. Uh, She went with her husband and two sons. Her two sons got married. Then her husband died. Then her two sons died. And eventually, when she could go back to Israel, her friends greeted her again. She said, no, Naomi. And she said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Mara means bitter. Maybe you are so bitter and so angry because of what someone has done to you that you feel like changing your name to Mr. or Mrs. Bitterness. I got another example for you, but this is a good one. Not Esau, not Naomi. How about Joseph? Joseph, the son of Jacob. He was assaulted by his brothers and sold into slavery. His master's wife in slavery falsely accused him of sexual harassment and he was sent into prison. Years and years and years and years in prison. But God's good hand was at work. And the Lord gave Joseph favor and he actually went from prison to second in command in all of the land of Egypt. And in a time of drought, God used Joseph to keep Egypt in prosperity so that other nations in the drought could come and gain food from Egypt's prosperity. Some of the people that came were Joseph's brothers. When they recognized their brother, eventually they asked for forgiveness. And he said to them in Genesis 50, 20, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Faith is the capability to see the world as God sees it. Do you have the faith to trust that God is at work even in your hurt? I want to help you. Romans chapter 10 says that faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Some of you, Mr. Bitter, Mrs. Bitter, you need to carefully play close close attention to these passages of scripture that I'm going to read to you because a relationship is at stake. Maybe even if you don't control your bitterness, your small group is at stake. Listen to these passages of scripture. Listen to them, trust them, and have faith that God is at work Even in your hurt now, God has promised to you the hope of eternity. That's what Romans 8 verse 29 says. Romans 8 verse 29, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purposes. If you are called according to Christ's purposes, you might have the worst pain happen to you now. You always have the hope of eternal life in heaven glorified with Jesus. God is at work. God is good even in your hurt. Though, Mr. and Mrs. Bitter, you might say, I've heard that one before. 
My small group leader always tells me Romans 8.29. But how can I have hope for the future when I'm in such pain now? All right, how about this one? Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not just dwelling in the house of the Lord forever, but goodness will follow me all the days of my life. Think about this and be encouraged. Uh, the scripture says that the Lord is our shepherd. It's true. Um, if the Lord were a modern day shepherd and he had sheepdogs, maybe his sheepdogs would be named goodness and mercy and they would follow us around and lead us into green pastures all the days of our lives. And you might know this, but it's hard. That's right. Faith takes courage. It's not enough to hear these things, but to trust that they're true. Take courage, as it says in Psalm 27, verse 13 and 14. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of God in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Friends, if, if you can't recognize God's goodness even in your hurt, maybe someone will come to you and be ready to offer a genuine apology, but you're just going to give them a half-baked response. And you're not going to actually forgive them, though you say it with your words. If you miss this turn, you're not reaching the destination of reconciliation. Following the road of reconciliation requires confession of sin. It recognizes God's goodness. And there's one more turn on this route that will finally lead us to our destination. Following the road to reconciliation also will resolve any wrongdoing. This is the last turn that we must take. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Following the road to reconciliation resolves any wrongdoing. Uh, resolution is the last act of reconciliation that brings everything to a close and finally mends the broken relationship. This is the home stretch. What may have been torn apart like a piece of fabric in resolution will be mended and woven together as if there were no seams. So there are a lot of different variables in the hurt that we experience and the relationships we have. And I believe God's word is going to help us understand how we can apply appropriate resolution to all the different variables. But first, before we look at our hurt and broken relationships, let's look at Philemon and Onesimus and understand the resolution that needed to take place with them, then we'll apply it to our lives. So let's read verse 17 to verse 20. Get your eyes back in the book with me. Verse 17 says, So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of you owing me even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. So in Philemon and Onesimus' circumstance, there were two conditions that needed to be fulfilled to be able to bring about a resolution. The first one was in verse 17. Um, Paul 
said to Philemon, if you consider me a partner, receive Onesimus in the same way that you would receive me. I found that some of the most beloved and respected pro athletes are those who uh, spend their entire career with one club and have a lot of success with that club. You might not like that player because they're on the other team and they beat your team, but and when it's time for them to retire, they get a lot of respect. Uh, think about pe- uh, players like Derek Jeter, who recently retired. Whole career with the Yankees, a lot of success for the Yankees. Um, also, how about um, Kobe Bryant? Um, pretty much whole career with the Lakers, a lot of success with the Lakers. You might not have liked them because they played for another team, but they, they were respected uh, for their loyalty. Paul was telling Philemon to receive Onesimus in the same way that maybe like Kobe Bryant might tell his fan base, hey, I know that I'm retired, and I know that we uh, have a first-round draft pick this year, and whoever the rookie is that we draft, receive that rookie in the same way that you would receive me, the veteran. This was the first condition for their resolution. Philemon should receive the man who robbed him in the same way that he would receive a man who he loves. There's a second condition, though. Philemon was told in verse 18, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. So, so first, uh, Philemon needed to receive back without reserve. That's the first condition. Resolution means receiving back the one who hurt you without reserve. The second resolution is this. Um, repayment of the wrongdoing in full. So evidently Onesimus couldn't pay back what he stole from his master. But Paul stepped in and said, I'll pay it. I'll pay it back. Because Paul understood what passages in scripture like Exodus 22 said. Or Proverbs 6, verse 30 and 31. Or Matthew 5, 25 and 26. All of these agree and Paul understood that if a thing was stolen, it should be paid back. That's what Zacchaeus did, right? You remember that guy? We generally remember two things about Zacchaeus. He was small. He climbed a tree. You remember what kind of, te- kind, of, kind of tree he climbed? What was that one called? It was, a, it was a sycamore tree, right? Right? Because he wanted to see Jesus. And then he saw Jesus. And Jesus was like, hey, I'm coming to your house. We're going to eat together. And then when Zacchaeus saw Jesus, he recognized that his job as a tax collector uh, was being significantly manipulated. You see, everyone hated Zacchaeus because as a tax collector, he defrauded everyone. Rome wanted five cents to the dollar, but he asked for 10 and pocketed the other five or something like that. I don't know what it was exactly. But when he recognized that he defrauded these people, he didn't say, Jesus, oh, I'm so sorry that I defrauded people. Can you forgive me? Okay, see, that's enough. Okay, bye. He knew that he needed to repay what he took. And he said, I'll repay what I took four times back to anyone and everyone that I stole from. 
Resolving any wrongdoing in their circumstance meant receiving back without reserve and repayment of the wrongdoing in full. Now, friends, I would say that Philemon and Onesimus' reconciliation is like a best-case scenario, but there's a lot of variables in hurt. What do we do in all the different ways that we can hurt each other and have hurt each other? How can we take that last turn Having confessed sin, recognizing God's good sovereign hand, how do we take this last turn to bring about final and complete resolution? Well, I think it'd be helpful if I spoke uh, to different people in the room in the same way that there are different characters in this story with different responsibilities. Some of you in this room may be in a unique position like Paul was. You haven't been hurt and you haven't hurt anyone, but... You need to mediate reconciliation. Maybe you've been praying for two Christians that you know have hurt each other and you've been praying that they reconcile. What if you're part of the answer to that prayer? We can't afford to be bystanders in the church and let someone else deal with it. If you have a unique relationship where you've invested into one person who has been hurt and you've invested into the other person who did the hurt, you can mediate in the same way that Jesus Christ mediated through the gospel. Jesus was the only one who could take us, the sinners who transgressed God, and speak on behalf or and speak for the Father and bridge this relationship back together. You Maybe in a place where you can do a Christ-like act of gospel service. You've been praying? Thank you for praying. Maybe you can gently, yet boldly, mediate two people back together. Some of you, though, um, you have been the people who have hurt. And you need to do what uh, Onesimus needed to do you need to recognize that your hurt first is against God and then against your brother or sister. And you need to go genuinely confess your sin and apologize. And if you've taken something, you gotta repay it. You gotta pay it back in full. But what if the hurt you did didn't take something that could be repaid? What if the hurt you committed took something like someone's reputation? What if it took something like time with a relationship that that person's never going to get back? You still got to go back and confess it, but how are you going to make that repayment? How are you going to bring that to resolution? Well, to answer this question, let me turn my attention to those of you who have been hurt and ask you, if someone has hurt you in a way and they can't repay it, how do we resolve this? How can we bring resolution? You know what? Getting your reputation or your name hurt might be worse than uh, getting something physically stolen. Proverbs uh, 22 says that a good name is more valuable than even riches. So if they hurt your name, that might even be worse, but they can't repay that. 
Friends, notice in Philemon and Onesimus' circumstance the order of the conditions. Get your eyes back in the book. Verse 17 says, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. Resolution means receiving first. Then, 18, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. Repayment follows the receiving. And it's not the other way around. We receive with forgiveness and then if repayment is made, it's made. We forgive as Christ forgave us. Some of you grew up in a tradition where if you're going to get forgiveness from God, they put it backwards. If you were going to receive forgiveness, oh, you actually had to repay something first. Actually, you're a church leader who might have told you that you need to offer restitution before you receive forgiveness. So you go to your church and you get in a box and there's a guy behind a screen and you confess your sins and, and they don't tell you, oh yeah, you're forgiven. They say, ah, no, first, sorry, you need to make restitution. First, you need to take that necklace that you have with those beads and fiddle your hands to those beads and recite those chants to those dead people who can't hear you. And oh, then, then you'll receive forgiveness. Mm, no. We forgive as Christ forgave us. How did Christ forgive us? For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And it is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works. Not a result of restitution. Because we have no reason to boast. Friends, if you've been hurt, and they can't give back what they stole from you. What cancels the debt is grace. We forgive as Christ has forgiven us. It's not first what they can offer, but it's first grace. So, this is the way we will meet and finally come to resolution. Genuine confession, acknowledging God's goodness, receiving and repaying, all saturated by grace. This is the road to reconciliation. And if you miss a turn, you miss the destination. Friends, hurt happens. Hurt happens, but Reconciliation is right. So where do we go from here? If you've been hurt, or rather, if you've been the one who has hurt someone else, you gotta get up and follow the road today. You gotta. If you've been hurt, you must have courage and trust God's goodness. And make resolution. Last week, before we actually looked at the simple reasons for reconciliation, we asked ourselves a really important question. What kind of church do we want to be? Because what's at stake here is not just your individual relationship with another human being. What's at stake here is our unity as a church and our faithfulness to be the people that God wants us to be. Listen to these passages of scripture. 
that talk about the church. And I hope this is the type of church that you want to be a part of and that you want to invest into. Passages that teach us things like this are like 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once, church, you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once, harvest, you had not received mercy, but now, brothers and sisters, you have received mercy. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 and 13 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews and Greeks, slaves and free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What's at stake in reconciliation isn't just your relationship with another human being. It's our unity as our church and our faithfulness to be the people that God called us to be. The reasons are simple. Reconcile because it's always right. Reconcile for the sake of love and reconcile because every Christian is useful. The road is clear and we can't miss the turns. It requires confession of sin. It recognizes God's sovereignty and it resolves any wrongdoing. Friends, brothers and sisters who are beloved in the Lord, for the glory of Christ, let's be this kind of church that forgives as Christ forgave us. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for your gospel. Clear as it is, straight as it is, so that we, by grace alone, through faith alone, and by no other means, can be saved, can be reconciled to you. Thank you that you have made us all to be baptized into one body and one spirit and to all drink and share in this one spirit. Thank you, Father, that you deserve glory in your church through all generations, even and especially this one that we find ourselves in now. So, Lord, motivate us to walk that path, to reconcile with those relationships that have been hurt, that for the sake of the gospel, we would be united together for your glory. Motivate us by faith to walk in this way in Jesus' name. Amen.